All right, we are live with episode number 2525. It's crazy. My next landmark is going to be 50. So once I hit 50, then I'll feel like I've made it. And then I got to hit 100 and then 200. And eventually I'll host myself, I guess, or have somebody come on and do that. But 25 feels big and exciting. And, and I'm really happy for this one because um, uh, I've got a really good friend um, that I've known for, what, 10, 11, 12 years now? Since freshman year in college. 2005. Yeah, I was 18. Yeah. So 11 years. Yeah. It's Long crazy. time. It is crazy. Um, but so really happy to bring on my friend Bryson Duhon and say hello. Hey, hey, Harry, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Am I the only person that calls you Harry? Uh, there's a few. There's not many. I always tell. Actually, I just told the story earlier today. Um, my, my, I'm named after my mom's favorite grandfather. Ah. Uh, his last name, um, and he. Uh, she she really loves the name Harrison, and part of the deal with me going by, I go by my middle name, which is Harrison. My first name's Scott. Scott this yeah. is my dad's side of the family's family name, so we go by Har- I go by Harrison. But she was very adamant about having everyone call me Harrison and not, not Harry. Harry. Yeah. And I specifically remember, like, preschool in Galveston, um, she found out that my teacher was calling me Harry, and she came in, and, like, I swear that's the only time that I remember my mom, like, being visibly upset <laughs> with, with somebody who wasn't like a you know yeah. one of a, one of the the kids, um, so I kind of had it ingrained like don't let people call you Harry. Yeah. But there's there's probably about five or six people that I think I called you Harrison for probably eight years, and then it just was like so yeah. cheap. I was like, no, pretty, yeah, Harry. I don't yeah, think Harry. twice about it for you for sure. <laughs> I, I think when I first when I meet people for the first time and they like they want that to be a thing that I'm kind of like, yeah you got to earn that hey, one. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we met in UT and it was cra- I like it was really random because there was I moved into UT in the dorm with like a guy from high school being the only one that I knew and then I ended up finding that one of my old buddies from um, high school was also living there, mm-hmm. Colin. Yeah. Um, crumple up yeah we got a shout out to crumple up uh, and so that was really cool and then next door to him was you yeah. and your friend Rob yeah um, and then we just kind of all bonded through that late night San Jacinto parties <laughs> just acting a fool <laughs> yeah. pretty much all damn night long talking trash to 12 year olds <laughs> nothing better to do <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool uh, we've you know over the years really bonded through um, hanging out and spending time and Music, especially, particularly, yep. and you're, I guess, the second Far Far Future to come on. The, really? Who was the, the first? Did Paul came oh, on. Oh, Paul came yeah, on? Yeah, Paul came on. My favorite space cadet, Paul. Dude, Paul is awesome. <laughs> I will say, he went for, like, maybe two and a half hours, and I edited out, Doesn't like, surprise 45 me. minutes. Well, but Paul. he was great. It was awesome to, to have him on. Um, and I'm, you know, for you, it's great, because uh, we've kind of known each other over the years in different <laughs> capacities, and... Um, you know, things life gets busy and it's hard to mm-hmm. yeah to spend the same amount of time with each other. But I always feel the closeness when we catch up. Oh, so yeah. it's great to have you here um, on board and doing this. Uh, and especially since music is an important thing to our friendship as oh, well. Yeah. And some, of the, I mean, I'm already like one, which I know we'll get to. I'm I, there's memories from myself that I have that I have <laughs> very much to, to thank <laughs> because of you. Um, so I'm excited to unpack some of that as yeah. well for my for my own being. Um, but yeah, have you, have you done a podcast before you ever been? been on I've never been on one. I'm a big fan of listening to them. I was telling you like, I love yeah. Tim Ferriss and yeah. I'm actually thinking about delving into that in, uh, kind of my professional life yeah. at UT. Um, 
but I've never been on one, so it's 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 fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, well, I always I had uh, a friend Robbie who came on as one of the past episodes, and he was like, he came on and was like, yeah, I want to do a I want to do a podcast myself too. So just kind of getting the taking the notes on the setup and stuff. And then I have another friend, Josh, who actually used to do podcasts a long time ago. He was like one of the first ones mm-hmm. to the point where like he and Mark Maron used to exchange emails on like tips wow. on how to That's do shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and he's going to come on here pretty soon as well. So it's fun to do it. And for people that have thought about doing it. Yeah. It's a, I, lo- I love to see people get excited about it and then can't encourage you enough to actually do it because it's oh, yeah, yeah. like you, you're forcing yourself to put it out there and see what happens with it and hopefully people like it and otherwise you like it that's why you spend the that's time you to do it. it yeah so i certainly have really enjoyed it and um it's it's always i think my favorite part so far has just been bringing on people that i care about and know um and enjoy meeting them but then also like some of the strangers that have come on that you know i felt like a good a good bond you learn some new stuff too. Them too yeah um but We've got a lot to cover. We got three songs. Yeah, uh, you picked them like everyone. You said it was a very excruciating process. <laughs> I actually changed. You did change one. I you had a little last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah a last minute. Yesterday. Not the first to do that. Um, oh, really? And I do. I always tell guests too that like you'll get the chance to like sneak in some some slides of like yeah, yeah I thought about this because I of that. About this, yeah, yeah. sneaking in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you do that, I won't shut you off. All right. No. <laughs> um, but with that, let's uh, let's kick it off to the first track. Um, the first track is called. Jazz Crimes, and it's from Joshua Redman. Here we go. Thank you. 
Tell me that wasn't funky. <laughs> Dude, that was that was a very Bryson Duhon song. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If you know Bryson, you hear that song, yeah, that, that sounds like something <laughs> Bryson would love. Listen to, yeah. No, that song was that was pretty that was pretty funky. I I'm not familiar with uh, with Joshua Redmond, but that's uh, Jazz Crimes from Joshua Redmond from his album Elastic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's dude. That drum breakdown at the end too, man, nuts. So the dude that the guy that plays drums on there is my favorite drummer of all time, and not Chris a lot Daddy people, Dave. No, it's no. not Chris Daddy Dave. Although I, I do love Chris Daddy Dave yeah. and follow Chris Daddy Dave on Twitter, and sometimes he tweets back at me. I don't yeah. know. I think you I think there was I, one. You there was one me, time yeah. when yeah. D'Angelo's album came out and he was on a track, and I was like, "That's definitely him." Yeah, I do remember that. And so I tweeted, I was like, "That's definitely him," and he like, he responded, he goes, "Yep." <laughs> Um, but anyway, this guy's name is Brian Blade, and uh, he's a he's a drummer from Louisiana, which is near and dear to my heart. But what I love about him is he's like a he's such an untraditional jazzer. It's like if you think of jazz music, so much of drums, and I'm a drummer for, for people that kind of uh, you'll, you'll probably learn that about me over, over this hour. <laughs> based on the selection, a lot of yeah, a lot of that is is based on that, but. So much of jazz is always just like ding 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 ding. Yeah, you just like ride. Yeah, that. yeah, you do. And and, and Brian Bradley just plays so musical, and just the yeah. way that he approaches it. You know, I've read a, pretty much everything that you can ever read about Brian Blade on. Yeah, at least spoken about or been. Is that his real name? Brian That's Blade. his real name. <laughs> and funny enough, his brother's name is Brady Blade, and he's also a drummer. Um, and he was in. Remember when Dave Matthews had like a breakoff project or whatever, where he had like a mm-hmm. solo album. Like his the Tim bro- Matthews stuff? Yeah, or, yeah, it was, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was. But his brother's a great drummer, too, that also okay. played on that album and produces records, played with the Pretenders. Oh, but wow. they're like a musical family, and they grew up in like the church. And there's you can there's a ton of stuff behind yeah. him. But, um, huh. but Brian Blade, he's, he's so musical. I mean, and he plays the drums. Like, if you listen to that track really closely, the way he plays the, the drums is he's responding, but he's playing a melody. And what's great about that drum break, if you listen to it, you know, today everybody wants to play all these are called gospel chops, and there's like, you know, all these yeah. crazy things. And you know, to the average listener, they might hear that and be like, "Oh, that looks cool, that sounds cool," right? But it just doesn't fit. You know, yeah. when you listen to that, like, you you, sh- it's show, it's a show off. It's a show off yeah. thing, man. And so when you listen to Brian Blade, like, he, it, you can you can repeat what he did. It's like a melodic drum yeah. break. And so there's so much to that. And like, I've tried to take what he's done in any type of musical situation and like apply those textures and I mean it's such a great piece and so the, the reason why I chose this song was is this was a song that kind of got me into jazz music when I was in uh, in high school I was in the, I was in the drum drum line which my wife makes fun of me because I was in band um, <laughs> she could wear the like little hat and everything <laughs> yeah I had to wear the hat I was a drum captain man I was, oh, I was the captain yeah I was it nice. was real. I got it was real. I didn't know that. I only lasted for a couple was years. Was it like marching or Yeah, I did the marching band, wow. everything. I did it for two years and then I was just kinda like It's a right. lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work <laughs> and um yeah, I just ended up. Well plus like little. marching band in Texas Dude, is it's pretty hot miserable. Yeah. I mean, it was like hundred degrees and <laughs> so I weighed like hundred and ten pounds. Yeah. And, like and had this like fifty pound drum strap <laughs> to me. I mean you can only imagine. So um and really the guy that that was the leader of the whole thing got me into it ended up quitting and going to another school and so the guy that they replaced oh, him, yeah. his name was like Tom Fessler like <laughs> that was his name Fessler yeah, once like, you lose the dude you lose the dude about, and yeah. he just was so anyway I, I ended up leaving <laughs> uh, but at the time I also was learning to play drum set and I, I joined the jazz band yeah and uh, to me jazz was just like not cool you know for a long time never really knew much about it and so 
some of the first stuff that I got into was uh, a guy named Pat Metheny, who's a guitar player. He had a drummer um, that was really good as well that I was interested in. But really, it was this album that uh, you know led me to like John Coltrane and a lot of other stuff. But you know, this album was such a good bridge for me because it like mixed a lot of soul mm-hmm. with kind of those jazz tendencies, and it wasn't like hard to digest. It was like funky and melodic. Yeah. Um, and so this this is an album that I really credit to opening my mind and ears. You know, I, I say I have a very wide, expansive yeah, like you musical like vocabulary. Yeah, right? I love a lot of different stuff, and this is kind of what got me to that. So um, I, I have I have so many memories on this song, but I mean, I, I've seen Joshua Redman a couple times, and Joshua Redman, he's a saxophone player, graduated from Harvard. He's got a really I saw that, yeah, yeah. and super like super interesting got guy. accepted to Yale Law or something, yeah. and declined it. Declined to it. Yeah, and that's why I think I also have kind of a kindred spirit with him because yeah. I'm an academic as well, right. and so he's able and to do you, this. If I remember, you were considering going to Berkeley for music, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Those are the two things UT. I chose to go yeah. to, to Texas, and those are the two things that I was always wondering about. Um, and this guy went to Harvard but ended up pursuing music, and it's always something I've always wanted to do. Like, yeah. I've told you the story about Jimino from Spoon, that mm-hmm. he you know, was an engineer for yeah. a long time and didn't quit AMD until they played SNL. Right. So I've always held out hope that, you know, my 40-year-old self can play SNL and I can just go do that full time, yeah. but, you know. And then there's, like, Wayne Coyne, who was, like, a fry cook until they got signed to Warner Brothers. Yeah, so. I'm not a... Our, so, our, no, our yeah. black Joe Lewis, who <laughs> no, was yeah, delivering yeah. seafood to seafood, our parties yeah. on the... On the uh, in college, and now he's... I don't really like his new stuff, though. I haven't heard it yet, yeah. Ever, ever, th- ever since... Game, yeah. yeah, ever no. since Zach kind of left that yeah. stuff, I think I don't think it's been the same. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, I kind of have, have had a kindred spirit to, to Josh Redman because of that. And so I've seen him a couple times. I saw him in high school in Houston at... Like, it's like the Bayou Music Center or some stupid name now. But um, I was always blown away by that. And uh, I saw him again. He leads now a thing called the San Francisco Jazz Orchestra, where they recreate like music from all kinds of different periods. So like, yeah. they had a whole album of Stevie Wonder tunes. So they did only Stevie Wonder tunes and like jazz. And I was like, awesome. That's cool. Um, and so I've seen him through that, and uh, and I've met I've actually met Brian Blade one time. I went to see him at the Bass Concert Hall here. He was playing with Chick Corea and uh, Wayne Shorter, I think. Anyway, I was walking from my apartment and I saw this little skinny you know, brother hanging outside and I was like, oh my God, that's Brian Blade. And so I just kind of went up and said, hey man, I'm super excited about the show, you know, and he couldn't have been more gracious. Um, oh, cool. Nobody else knew who that dude was. Yeah. Like only I knew that that was like Brian Blade. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's just such a great song. And you know what, as we were listening, if you listen to that track, I'm confident that there's no bass player on that track. Yeah, you were mentioning that. It, that blows my mind. It, every time I've ever read the credits on that, and I've looked to see, yeah. there's never a bass player credit on that album. So the dude that plays organ, Sam Yeho, is playing all that stuff with his hands mm-hmm. and then filling in the bass lines on his feet. Yeah. And if you listen to that, you're just like, those there's are some so much crazy <laughs> bass lines that he's playing with his feet. Right. And then he's improvising and the, on the top independence of, of that in oh, his mind. Yeah. That's I mean, insane. it is just unbelievable when you think about the. I mean, that's the hard bass lines to play. Yeah. If you're just even playing if you bass. had, yeah, if you yeah. had 10 fingers <laughs> right. playing that, you know, and he's doing it with his feet. Right. So, I mean, it's just such a. That, that song represents to me what jazz is, and it's like about soul, it's about, you know, kind of virtuosity, yeah. and it's just about um, so much that, that really got me to listening to a lot of different types of music, so yeah. it's just such a good song. Now, when you, so you, you said this was, this, in particular, this record was one that really opened your mind up to jazz, so I knew you were listening to a lot of other music, you were playing drums prior to yeah. hearing this, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think about, like, 
back when I played guitar and you discover something new, it's like your tendency when you're a kid, because you have so much free time, you don't want to work on homework, is yeah. I want to learn how to play this. Yeah, exactly. This is insane. Yeah. So did I, you, did you were you like, I'm going to try to play that, or how did that work? I might have, <laughs> but it was so beyond me. Yeah. And it's so intricate that, you know, at the time I was playing like, I was really trying to copy the Mars Volta and like John okay, Theodore yeah, the theater style, and like all that crazy right. stuff. And so this kind of was a little bit beyond my, but over the years, I really just, his playing has become like part of what I think about when I yeah. play music. So like, he's never limited. He, he there, When you see him play, he'll play stuff with his hands. He plays stuff with his brushes. You know, and it's about a conversation and he's feeling the music. He's not, you know, the way that he, he approaches the music is yeah. so unique. And so whenever I'm in a, musical environment or group you know i'm trying to really feel it and and not be limited and be melodic on the drums like so many people hear like trying to dance music and just all the stuff where it's just right. like boom, boom, boom. the drums are there for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really there's so much more that you can do as a drummer to make it interesting where you, you do have to provide that bedrock but there's so many other things that you can do and so a lot of times when i'll sit back especially if i'm approaching a song i'll, I'll think of like what would brian blade do on this track yeah. or what would I don't know, and, and you know Brian Blade, and actually Brian Blade played on um, some of the early Dylan records. Really? So like when Dylan was in New Orleans, there's a couple of, of albums that Dylan did in maybe it was the '90s, Time Out of Mind, and there's another one that they recorded in New Orleans. Okay. It was the Daniel Lanois period. Yeah. Brian Blade is all on Daniel Lanois stuff, and so during that period of time, if you go back and you read the credits, who's playing drums on all those Dylan records? Wow, Brian Blades played on that. Yeah, that. Time Out of cool. Mind, and I think there's another one throughout that period where it was recorded in New Orleans. Huh. And Brian Blade is a dude playing drums on that, and you can kind of hear that influence. But you know, this is the this is a dude just playing on this random jazz track, and I didn't find this out till years later. My my father-in-law is a big Dylan guy, and he got me a a box set uh, a couple years back. Yeah. Of like all the Dylan everything, stuff, yeah. everything Dylan wise. Yeah. It took me a long time to get through that, but right. I mean, I I. You know, I super appreciated all of all of that that learning, but when I was going through the liner notes, I was like, "Oh my god, Wait, Brian, Brian Blade played drums on never this track." Would have put those never put those together. Yeah. yeah, you never would have been like, "Oh yeah, this guy played on that Dylan record." You know That's what I mean? Awesome. So, um, so yeah, it's just it's when you're when you're a musician of that caliber, like these guys, like there's a saying amongst musicians, like if you can play jazz, you can play anything. Yeah, it's so true. You know, and so yeah. like. That's what I always tell people, like, if they're playing a music musical instrument or if they're trying to, you know, get better at their craft, like, yeah. go listen to the original jazz musicians and try to play that stuff. If you can play that stuff, you can you can play anything. So. Just picturing, like, 17-year-old Bryson as the uh, whiplash kid, like, getting the cymbal thrown in. <laughs> J.K. Says, Simmons would play like Brian Blade. by me, bro. No, I wouldn't have taken that. I hated that movie, by the way. Oh, I loved it. Hated it. I watched it. And I was just like, he he wasn't playing the. I mean, he was trying to play the drums. Yeah. But like the things they thought was important was like, I gotta try to play this so fast. Like, ding, 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 yeah, ding, yeah. It's him, pretty like, stereotype. Like, like of what just you're, sweating, yeah. and I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> there's no jazz program that is like, how fast can you play? Right. <laughs> like that is the dumbest thing ever. Right. So I watched it, and I was just like, no, I hated <laughs> it. Can't stand that movie. So so anyway yeah no I definitely would not have taken that yeah I would have thrown a drumstick in homeboy's head but <laughs> that's awesome well I could say as a bass player who's played with you on drums uh, what you're describing about Brian Blade I definitely hear in your style and can feel because you open it and it's it's really true like I remember uh, 
uh, when I was playing with um, Jacob, we had a previous drummer and he left, and so we were trying to find one. I was like, yeah, I think my, I think my friend Bryson would be great, but I don't know that you've ever really played with somebody with this type of style because you just <laughs> yeah. you're a little, you're a little yeah. different than when he's usually like more rock back guys, yeah. and uh, it really shined through like and changed the the sound, which is awesome. Well, it was really a lot of fun to play it, with, yeah. and yeah, it's like to the point of like there's that tastefulness that you always know how to flirt the line except for when you press that stupid uh, you got the groove you got the groove <laughs> what, what Harrison is talking about that. here is that I have an SPD which is a Roland SPD and it's a um, it's essentially a, a drum module that a lot of people trigger sounds off of so like if you're a drummer and you're gonna you have all these electronic <laughs> sounds on your record and you want to recreate that live like you obviously can't you have to you have to be able to yeah. trigger like yeah. so it's essentially a drum pad it's like a big um, like NPC that you hit yeah, with the drumstick. There's like 12 little black dots. Yeah, yeah, you hit it, right. But in, in the SPDs, they have like some preset things in there. And for whatever reason, <laughs> one of the preset loops is just this dude going, you got the groove. <laughs> so, so I, uh, you know, that that never ceased to make all of us laugh in rehearsal where we just finish a track and then it'd be like, bah, you got, you got the groove. groove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be like funny the first few times, and then you look then around the room and like slowly one by one, different band members would be like, "Stop that! <laughs> <laughs> Please stop hitting that!" The classic drummer. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next track. Um, did you just get, did you get everything out of that you wanted? Yeah, man. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay, cool. I changed that. That was the one that I changed. That is the one before. you changed. Yeah, but it, it was another song that you. Had same picked, album, right? just different song, and it was more concise I think it was yeah. just a better representation yeah. of it. no it was cool I really enjoyed it um, and this next one you know is near and dear to my heart um, very much because of you which is great so this track is called uh, Spanish Joint by the legendary D'Angelo D.
Angelo, oh, man, voodoo, 
So good. What an album. So good. I really hope everyone listening to this right now that hasn't listened to D'Angelo. Honestly, stop the podcast now. Oh, my God. Start streaming voodoo. Oh, good. God. I'll never forget my... um, You know who introduced me to D'Angelo? Who? Jason. Jason Mo, my... uh, Really? Yeah. You're a... He's my cousin. Yeah. He's my cousin. Yeah. and, uh, oh, Jason. I, oh, I miss You know, you know yeah. Jason real well. Jason, one of my favorite people on the entire planet. Love that guy. Oh, I would love to have him on this. Oh, Next yeah, you should. Down. If Next he ever's in Austin, down. I'm going to tell you, yeah, yeah you do. should. But uh, Jason, I'll never forget, he kind of knew that I was into music and I was kind of getting, you know, some varied tastes. And yeah. he handed me the album and he's like, you got to listen to this. And he's like, this change your world. You yeah. know? And I was like, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but slowly kind of, earwormed it and it took me a couple years to really appreciate it but it, it's just like ugh. there's I mean if you listen to that like ugh, there's so many things you can talk about on that there just really that is. that yeah, song no, I know. between like I mean I know there's so many stories behind it but like yeah. just the layered vocals on that track I think are really really highlighted because if you listen to it that's him on all those tracks yeah. and he's coming back and just layering it on that you know they recorded an electric lady you yeah. know and Rest it's just oh yeah. I mean, it's just so good. I mean, there's, it's, the bass playing, I mean, obviously, homage to Pino. Pino. I mean, (laughs) the most awkward six foot eight inch Welsh Welsh bass player. Um, You know, Top five basses of all time. Oh my gosh. I I listened to, um, there's an album that Pharrell uh, Williams released, right? Like kind of after NERD, like there's a, there's a period that he had, he had had like a a solo album. Right. That was kind of mainstream. Anyway, um, Questlove, who played drums on that track as well, uh, had a like remixed the entire album, and it was the, the original album was called In My Mind, and the remix album was called Out of My Mind, and it never got released because it got blocked. Okay, but I, I actually have it. Um, yeah. You can't get a copy. I, I need to give it to you because they never did released Questlove it. Give it to you after he didn't. Although Questlove <laughs> has given me unreleased music before, which we can talk about. But um, <laughs> but I watched the videos of them taping like the remixes, and a guy that plays bass on the remix version, his name is Adam Blackstone. Who, okay. if you've ever watched any of the BET specials or any, even the Grammys, yeah. he plays with Justin Timberlake. He's like the music director on a lot of that stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Questlove is telling him like how to play the song. And he's like, play it like you haven't played bass before. Right. Because these guys are so technical. But if you listen to what Pino's doing, it's so like... He's like behind the beat. He's behind the beat. He's like, play it messed up. And that's the best way to describe it. It's like, it's a very round kind of metric modulation, like just so advanced. It's like, you know, everybody thinks the music has one, two, three, four. He was the one that really pioneered the uh, fretless bass. Yeah. Like playing with Gary Newman and stuff in the 80s. And then uh, this is, of course, fretted, but like I feel like he picked up because fretless is so like imprecise, you know, yeah. that he picks up on that. But he's oh, man. well, he's such he a good of... like him and Questlove on an album are so good together yeah. because Pino can be. I mean, that's what makes this whole album. This album right. wouldn't be the way it was if Pino Palladino would be playing yeah. bass. Yeah. But Questlove, you know, if he's playing drums in here, he's like a machine. Yeah. So all the stuff he's playing is very straight it's ahead. Always on. Always yeah. on. You can't have two people messing no. with stuff. I mean, you, you maybe could, like, a lot, and a lot of that's from the Jay Dilla stuff. If you ever right. listen to, like, the Jay Dilla, it's like the, you know, the beat changes right. or, you're, you know. But, man, it's... They're the, they're the perfect match. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned that Questlove story. Yeah. Because... Uh, <laughs> I love that story. So that story was was uh, I was in a music. You and I were in the same organization, right? I joined. Yeah. It was called Music and Entertainment. Yeah, because we were friends. And I was yeah, like, hey, you're the one that, that yeah. had me come. And I came the first time. And Ramon Ramirez, who 
Uh, was he been Absolute, on this yet? Yeah, he's yeah back there somewhere. Yeah, he was the president at the time. <laughs> was the the funniest meetings ever it was like a bunch of random consortium of, of people he was awesome he's my favorite chair oh man it was so good i actually kind of fizzled out after he was wasn't yeah. there but yeah. i loved just he was so entertaining and love love ramon um yeah. but uh but anyway we brought the roots to come play and, and i remember you know kind of just first of all being amazed at the physical stature of Questlove. he's like six something like 300 pounds guy. he's a massive and at the man time, he was also was the Significantly heavier. Oh, heavier. He was a big old dude. So after the show, you know, I was just like, hey, man. I asked him. I actually asked him. I said, hey, when's the new D'Angelo coming out? Because at that time, D'Angelo hadn't been around in a long time. He's like, I "I don't know. He's like, but I am working on this new Al Green album. And I was like, oh, love Al Green. (laughs) And uh, Al Green, Let's Stay Together is actually the song that Kate and I danced to. was our first first song. So I love Al Green. Um, My grandpa used to love Al Green as well. And uh, anyway, he pulls out like this album. (laughs) It's like a CDR. It's like a CDR, yeah. and he's like, "Here, this is uh, this is an album that I, I produced on." Copy. He's like, "Yeah, it's advanced copy. Like, don't put that on the internet because nobody has it yet. But here, you, you can just have it." And I'm like, "Excuse me, like, you, <laughs> he just you happened to have it. He just happened to have it, and he gave it to me. He's like, that's one of the only copies. So seriously, don't put that on the internet." And I, I was that. like, "Excuse me." And it's 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 uh the album "Lay It Down" by Al Green. You can go listen to yeah. it, but it's, it's a good record. Yeah, it's a good record. I remember you coming up to me afterwards, and be like, dude. I don't know what just happened. But I think <laughs> I just got the new Al Green record. I know from Questlove. So that's uh, when we were pirating so much music. Oh, <laughs> they had that thing that was set up. I remember getting the so DC plus plus DC plus plus. I remember getting a, a letter in the mail from oh, UT right. or something that was yeah. like, "This is illegal." Blah you blah blah. Too many movies. If you down, you know, you could go to you could find. <laughs> and I remember that night I downloaded like megabytes worth of the stuff on it in case I could <laughs> megabytes. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but wait, so let's take it back to D'Angelo okay. because. I mean, this this track, Andy Angelo, I mean, I don't know where you're going to go with the story, but I know for me, I've got so many ties specific to you. Yeah. And you mentioned how it was your cousin. And for yep. me, like, I remember, remember D'Angelo had a track on the Space Jam soundtrack, which was one of my favorite cassettes as a Space kid. Jam. <laughs> Shout um, out. So, I mean, I knew the name. Um, and then, of course, uh, Untitled Video, I knew of. And yeah. I mean, visually, I remember that because it's such an iconic thing. Uh, and then... I'd never really listened to him, but in college, you were like, dude, dude D'Angelo, you got to yeah. listen to D'Angelo, you got to listen yeah. to D'Angelo, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And I mean, you're the one that convinced me to actually go back and be like, Voodoo is one of the most important records of all time, and he's yes. basically like a significantly less prolific prince. I mean, he's yeah, phenomenal. Unbelievable. A gift. I, I mean, it's I can't discount how much how important that record was for music. Yeah. Like R&B and 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 it's so underappreciated because of all the stuff that happened ever since then and I even think that since his new record which is phenomenal. Yeah. He's still underappreciated. Like totally. that album's yeah. still underappreciated. Like when he came back and he played like the BET Wars, they like sandwiched him in between like right. Chris Brown and some other yeah. idiot and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Um, but the first time I saw D'Angelo, I actually saw him with you. That's right. Because Voodoo came out in 2000, I want to say. 2000, yeah. And uh, he didn't do anything, like had this big breakdown. You know, the, the whole story yeah. got got real fat and, you know, yeah. got arrested, arrested all this jazz. And, yeah. yeah, everybody was wondering, like, when he was going to come back. And he ended up coming back, and I think it was in 2000. 12 maybe yeah 2012 i was trying to i was trying to remember that earlier 2012 as well. 2012 he, 2013 something like that probably 12 he got announced and there was rumors and then he he's like he's gonna come play 
or he's going to do a tour. And he was playing like maybe three or four different places around the country. And the closest place to us was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only catch was he was playing the Essence Music Festival, <laughs> which if any of you know what this is, Essence Magazine is a, is a magazine for African-Americans. And um, it's not for America. It's, it's produced. It's predominantly like a, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a cultural magazine, right? right. Um, but so this is held in the Superdome in New Orleans. And so Harrison and I drove down there. And you can imagine Harrison, like I, I, I fit in pretty well, you know, you know, not, not too much. My, yeah. my, my, uh, my background is very mixed. I have African-American and, yeah. and Caucasian, a lot of different stuff in my background. So, you know, fit in pretty well, but you can imagine Harrison in his big old beard, this white hipster, like strolling through the crowd. People were like, what is this dude doing here? And, uh, and man, it was such a good show. Um, the Dude, acoustics we were on could like have been cloud nine. Oh, oh yeah. it was unbelievable. Because I mean, it's one of those things like we had talked about yeah. D'Angelo for years. Years. And, like, we'll never see him because like he, he's gonna die or yeah, never like, release anything. Clearly, he lost his sanity. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. is what we all thought. And not only was it Pino on bass, but Chris Daddy, Chris Dave, Daddy Dave was the person that was yeah. playing drums, and I was like, oh my god, so uh, great. But the best part of that too was after the show, we were planning on driving back to Lafayette because that's where my dad lives, yeah. and. Uh, staying at his house and you and I had parked I remember going down there only in New Orleans <laughs> <laughs> only in New Orleans do they like right outside the venue normally there's like 20 15 20 dollar parking for the day yeah they were trying to charge people remember a hundred dollars oh, for a ridiculous. parking spot for the Essence yeah. Music Festival yeah and I was like hell no so we ended up finding a spot paying the dude and then after the show we got out remember and we, we walked to the car and we go to my car and there was a boot on my car and if anything you don't want to happen at 2 o'clock in the morning is be in New Orleans, kind of in a shady spot, yeah, and have a boot on your car. And so I remember that dude was just trying to swindle us on some money, but they ended up coming out and taking the boot off, off my car. Well, yeah, like they, were, they took forever. I called like them and said, I'm going to call the police hours. unless you come. Because essentially yeah. they were like, oh, you didn't pay. We, we you didn't pay like, and we're closed for the day or yeah. something. Like that. And I ended up, I did pay, but they had like a change of... Whatever. Yeah. So, the guy didn't write it down. Yeah. So they ended up coming and do it, but we got. I remember getting home at like six in the morning, <laughs> and then it was it was worth it though. But yeah. um, oh, totally worth it. But yeah, I've seen. I've who seen, is, wait? Who was the guy that played after D'Angelo? It was the dude from the Gap Band. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Charlie Wilson. Charlie Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Who plays like every essence? Yeah, band. yeah. He was. He's the dude that's on uh, Bound Two with uh, Kanye. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, they had the, the the synchronized suits, and they were it was There's like a train conductor. Yeah, that came it, was, out it was such a mishmash. And we stayed though; we watched it. Oh, it was, was great. Like, yeah. It was great. That same show though was when Gary Clark Jr. was starting to kind of kind of right. gain a little he bit of start, like, I mean, he was already huge in Austin. Yeah. but that's when it was like he, he didn't even play the main stage. I don't know if you remember this, yeah, but like, like he a... played where the concessions were. <laughs> yeah, and it was like you, me, and maybe twenty other people. Yeah, it's crazy. And he played like a whole hour set. Yeah. And it, it was, was before the record, uh, the big record had yeah. come out or something. I'd already, you and I had already seen him at South By, yeah. at like something at the Mohawk, and I was right. like, let's go see him. Like we already seen him, but we can go. It yeah. was before D'Angelo. We got there early, but yeah. no, it was a prime prime showing. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, D'Angelo is just it, there's it's such musicality. I mean, you can go through the rabbit hole of what they did on that record to make it so special. And there's so just, many like good st- like everyone that was a part of it because it was a very like community. Yeah produced album yeah and there's so many like stories and interviews oh like, yeah you could spend hours on well i mean it, reading interviews it's and not only that but you can go and listen to the albums that were produced at the same time yeah because at the same time electric ladylands yeah, yeah that, that essentially Questlove was uh him and james poiser all the guys from the right. roots 
like they recorded Commons, like Water for Chocolate at the yeah. same time. Yeah, Badu's, Badu's Badu, Badu. Like all of those albums have the same kind of theme. So right. you can go and listen to them and you can hear, you know, all the collaborations. And yeah. that was such an amazing time for like R&B music. And it was right. just like, ugh. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, you know, it's carried on. Like, I mean, Black Messiah was obviously a fantastic record. Yeah. And then three months later you get... Kendrick's record, which is very much in that yeah, vein, yeah, Pippa Butterfly, and yeah, and people are people are still taking from that. But to your point, yeah, even when Black Messiah came out, it got a lot of initial critical reception, and then I think it yeah, kinda, yeah, well, it's but it's so weird. much, so much of voodoo. Like if you listen to the record, there's so many jazz inflections, and that's why I kind of like it's mm-hmm. kind of a common thread in that music. In that, like you yeah. listen, the trumpet playing on that is a guy named Roy Hargrove, who yeah. is just like classic trumpet player. Yeah. Um, you know, all those dudes are just so world-renowned. James Poyser on keys, and there's so many, like, jazz cats on those albums. It's just, like, that. that is something that I think is why you're seeing the success of people, you know, zigging and zagging and not just right. going the same way on all their records. Like, if you listen to just traditional R&B music, it's just, like, the same formula. Yeah. But, like, if you listen to To Pimp Butterfly... Uh, the Kendrick album, he has Kamasi Washington on sax. You know, that whole collective, Terrace Martin. Right. And, uh, you know, and then the Robert Glasper influence as well. So yeah. any, any of these dudes that, when you listen to the, the good stuff that's coming out in hip-hop and R&B, all of it, there's some some jazz dude that's, like, inflecting some chords in the background that's making yeah. it the way it is. And that, to me, is so interesting. And voodoo is one of those things that really said, hey, you can do this and be successful. You know, obviously the whole... D'Angelo and his, you know, his music video was really was a curse for him because, you know, if you read all the stuff behind that, yeah, that's a big, a big piece of the mental breakdown. Yeah, the mental breakdown. People just wanted to see the the women titled again. Yeah, they just want to see him take his shirt off and do that, and he just wanted to play music, you know. And so ever since then, like the the D'Angelo we saw recently was not like the three hundred pound D'Angelo, but he wasn't like untitled. I remember at that show, like some ladies next to us were like. What happened to his teeth? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he looks a little chubby. I will say, as much as Untitled gets flack, I actually went. So when Black Messiah came out, I went to. I flew out to. Uh, oh yeah, New you York went to see, to him, see him, Apollo, him at the right? Apollo for his first show, and I mean, he played like two and a half hour set. It was incredible, and he played like a fifteen minute version of Untitled. Oh, it was just like mind blowing. Shut the house down. I don't think it was the closer, but I think it was like the closer for the regular set, and then he did an encore, but. Oh man, I was in tears that night. Yeah, good shit, good stuff. Should we move to the last one? Yeah, let's do it. Wow, chop it. Wow, you gotta say it. Yeah, right. see if I could get it right. So this right. is uh, this last track is uh, it's called Brother John, and it's from the Wild Chapatulas. There you go. Yeah. Chapatulas. <laughs>
Chapatulis. Chapatulis. It's actually a city. In, it's a. It's not a city. It's a. Uh, it's a street in New Orleans. Oh really? Yeah. You you'll see it when you you go down there. You'll kind of be like, what does it say? Chupatul. It's yeah, and it's, it's Chapatulis. Nice. So, uh, yeah. I mean that song. If, I love New Orleans music. Yeah. And I'm from uh, Louisiana, from a small town. Abbey Hill, Louisiana is where my, my dad lives. I was born in Lafayette area. Um, and uh, still have a lot of family there. But um, but I love New Orleans and the music there. And uh, this is just such a classic song. So the Wild, Wild Chapatulas is a group of Mardi Gras Indians. They're... Mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're um, like they're not Indians in the traditional sense that's what right. you would think of of like you know it's like a ceremonial yeah it's a, it, they're kind of like a cultural group right. in in New Orleans and um, and so the, the the Mardi Gras Indians they dress up in all this like really flamboyant um, you know gear and if you ever see pictures of Mardi Gras people you know marching down the streets it's usually like a tribe of Indians and right. so Chapatulas was a bunch of Indians and they're the kind of call and response to there so it's such a you know iconic you know that I mean New Orleans is the birthplace of jazz too it's where everything kind of started yeah. But also on that track, it, this track is first produced by Alan Toussaint, and uh-huh. uh, and Alan Toussaint is a legend in New Orleans, yeah. um, legendary piano player. Uh, recently died in the last few years, but such a classic. Um, we saw him together. Yeah, we yeah. saw him at uh, was it Jazz Fest? Jazz Fest. Yeah, Jazz Fest. Friend, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's another reason why I picked this song too because it's it's represents New Orleans. But this also was the first place where the Neville brothers got together. So on the top of that track is actually Aaron Neville. Um, and the vocals, the vocals, yeah, is oh, actually wow. Aaron Neville. If you listen to the top, you're like, man, that sounds so familiar. And Aaron Neville sings my favorite Christmas album of all time. I, I had the tape as a, as, a, as a kid, man, oh, as, as a as a as a kid. I had the Aaron Neville Christmas. I still listen to it this day. Yeah, Louisiana Christmas Day is one of my favorite songs. But love Aaron Neville. It's just so funny. Um, I saw him when I was a, like a little little teenager in Las Vegas, of all places. And my, somehow my mom got me backstage to meet him. And Aaron <laughs> Neville is like a big old brother with like a huge mole with a face mole. tattoo. <laughs> yeah, and I have a picture of me like when I'm like 11 years old, standing next to Aaron Neville. I'm like, hi, Mr. Neville. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the whole, all the Nevilles are on there, like Art yeah. Neville, Cyril Neville. <clears throat> but the musicians on that are actually the meters. Oh, really? Like the original yeah. funky meters. So yeah. like uh, George Porter is on bass. Mm-hmm. Zigaboo Modeliste is on yeah, drums. drums yeah. So like this song is such a just representation of everything that, that is New Orleans music. You got the Indians, you got the Neville Brothers, you got Alan Toussaint, you got the Meters, like all in one. And it's just a classic song. Like you'll hear different iterations of Brother John, um, but it's just it's it's a it's a it shows you like all the influences that are in that song. You know, there's you, you hear the kind of Congos and you hear all the different yeah. Latin influences and you just hear all that melding of music and it's such a beautiful piece of music and I actually have that album on vinyl. I, I got it at Louisiana Music Factory a few years ago, paid 50 bucks for it but I wouldn't sell it to you for five grand a day because yeah. it's an original 1970s uh, cool. something pressing yeah. and uh, I kept the, the, the price they put on it but it's nice. like my most prized album on vinyl um, and it's yeah, it's such a cool... I love that record store. Huh? Yeah, oh yeah, it's, in, uh, it, uh, it used to be in the quarter, but now they moved to Frenchman Street. I think we went to it maybe whenever yeah. we were there for an ambassador party. But yeah, New Orleans represents so much to me. Um, you know, I got engaged there, right in Jackson Square. Um, my bachelor party we went to New Orleans. It was one of the most fun weekends I've ever had yeah, in my entire life. We went to really Jazz Fest. I remember going to see John Cleary. That was... If I wasn't uh, gonna pick a, John Cleary if, show, if so I wasn't yeah. gonna pick Wild Chapatulas, I was gonna pick a John Cleary album. I actually had more Hipper by him on on my list, and I ended up changing because I was like, ah, you know, I love that Chapatulas song so yeah. much. Um, 
but seeing John Cleary and eating so much food, and it was just such a good group of guys that went yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that album is just, the whole album is, is great, and it's such an encapsulation of just what New Orleans music has been for the last 30 to 40 years. Um, but if you ever go to New Orleans, it's such a, it's one of the only places in America that, if you think about it, their culture has been insulated from the rest of the world to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, when you go to New York City, it's kind of like, it's been changed by people that assimilate there and right. all around the country every, everything's starting to look kind of the same yeah but in New Orleans every time you go you're like this place feels acts behaves like nothing else in the world you know what it's I mean it's a very like, like European city yeah in America. yeah the way that it's shaped like the, the, yeah. the cities are arranged music flows everywhere till all hours of the night you know you can drink and have fun and do all the things you want to do whenever you want to do things them, feel know? old and like yeah, yeah they, they, and, and they've, they've you know, even after the storm, they tried to preserve some of that stuff. And I, I think they, they still could do a better job of it. But um, it's it's my favorite city in the entire world, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, every time I go there, I go see some music and I'm blown away. We actually just came back recently. Um, and we took our kids on their first trip ever. I was oh, like, cool. where are we going to go? Yeah. New Orleans. They're like 11, 10 months 11, 11 months old, yeah. yeah. So we took them on the, on the plane and we went and, um, you know, walked around the city and saw it. But uh you know, I actually got to go see some great music with my dad at night. I snuck oh, out while they were sleeping yeah. and saw a guy named Kermit Ruffins, who's a great trumpet player. And then I walked down the street and saw a guy named, um, he's, he's named John Papa Gross. He's in a, a band called Papa Gross Funk. So this is all just on a random night. There's like all these world-class musicians just playing for like anybody. And it's just, it's, it's so, like you come to Austin and Austin claims to be like the live music capital of the world, which is such BS to become quite honest with you i mean like there is a lot of music but it's like we don't support our 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 legends like like they do in new orleans like yeah. everybody that was there paid well, ten dollar uh, cover to get in like it was not even yeah. a question hey we saw we saw hubert and pine top that we time. did see pine top perkins here <laughs> the best part about that who was it it was hubert sumlin pine top perkins kenny shepherd kenny shepherd and then double trouble i think double was on trouble, uh, tommy shannon, tommy shannon and, and, and chris layton was chris on layton, it yeah. but the best part about that was <laughs> Remember what it was? It was uh, Hubert Sumlin, who was super old. R.I.P. Hubert Sumlin. Played with, like, uh, Muddy Waters. I think yeah, that was his Muddy Waters' original guitarist. Was that Antones before they moved it? Remember the, the, yep. the, the, not the original Antones, but the one that had been there for a long time. Three or four, yeah. But I remember, like, they were, they couldn't play the whole concert because they were really old. Like, Pine Top right. was over 100, they came I think, out at like the time. Three songs. Yeah. Yeah, I think Pine Top was 99. Something so. like that. Yeah. But I remember Hubert came on, and Hubert was supposed to play a song and then <laughs> introduce Pine Top. <laughs> But he forgot to introduce Pine Top. So in the middle of the song that Pine Top's supposed to be featured in, Pine Top just starts to begrudgingly like waddle across the stage and like gives Hubert like the most evil stare ever. And then you could see Hubert realize that he made a mistake in between. He's like, oh man, I'm sorry, Pine Top. I forgot to introduce you. And Pine Top was so pissed the whole concert. And I was just, I it was that. so funny yeah, to watch so that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's New Orleans is... is it's a unique place, man. I mean, it yeah. gets a really bad rap for being dangerous, which obviously there is danger there yeah. and you kind of have to know what you're doing, but the culture, it's just yeah. nothing like it. I mean, that's where we saw D'Angelo. Yeah. I've had so many good, good I went back there. two years later and it's the only time I saw Prince. They're the same you essence. Saw him at the, yeah, the, essence, the essence Festival. I wish I would have gone with you on that one now because I, ne I never got to see Prince yeah. and uh, and that's, that's a regret that I have. Do you it's, remember, um, was it, 
I was, I was, when you picked this New Orleans song, I was like, man, I was kind of hoping you were going to pick Gonna Have a House Party by Fred Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that. Gonna have a house party. Gonna have a house party. At that bachelor party. Everybody get up! Yeah. That, like we, who was it? Tr- Trombone and Shorty played. Trombone and Shorty had played some kind of a, um, like a, a benefit show. And my yeah. friend Jeremy, uh, he, he has family there because he's from Louisiana as well, got us some tickets. And so all of us rolled out there. And this was the first time, this was the first foray for a bunch of the guys that are on that bachelor party yeah, to ever Orleans, to ever right. go to New Orleans. And, you know, f- you know, for everybody listening, my bachelor party in New Orleans was not involving any kind of, you know, <laughs> dancers or anything like that. I didn't want that per- right, uh, per- right. particularly. You yeah, know? yeah, you wanted to show I wanted to have a good time with my friends yeah. and, and, and watch music. And so the first thing that we did was go uh, see Trombone Shorty. Yeah. And he brought out a dude named Fred Wesley who used to play trombone in... In James Brown's, James Brown's band. band, yeah, but he had his own career, yeah, and he had a song called "House Party," and it, those were the lyrics. It was, "It's gonna be a house party. It's gonna be a house party tonight. Everybody get up." And so that kind of was the theme for our weekend was the, the Fred Wesley track, and so uh, and similarly, like to the Pine Top experience, was like the dude's like clearly old, and oh, like, did not belong his life, and they played the song for like twenty minutes just on repeat, he and he kept trying to like he kept like. Fake him looking at his watch like, oh, I'm, pretty, I'm getting pretty old. I yeah, gotta, yeah. Go, I gotta home. go home. And then he'd be like, lock it up. And he'd come back and <laughs> start playing the trombone. Oh, man. Oh, that was a great night. Trying to think of everything else we did on that weekend besides just that. I remember, like, there were so many funny things that happened on that, that weekend. I remember having multiple soft shell crab po' boys at mm. that was weekend at Jazz Fest. We went to see Bruce Springsteen. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I'd never been a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but he yeah. happened to be playing, so I ended up watching him. And it was great. Tom Morello was on guitar. Yeah, that was that was random. And but uh, such a good show. Yeah. It's the only time I've seen Bruce. So, but yeah, good, that good memories. But yeah, the city of New Orleans. I mean, that 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 song is just. And it's hard, like when you asked me to to pick my favorite or the three songs the three, that, right. that, that are that are most meaningful to me and I was going back in and one thing that I do on Spotify is I, I choose like 10 songs I kind of try to limit myself 10 songs and I make a little playlist listen to them all the time and then when I'm done with them I move them to a master kind of playlist oh, cool. yeah. and so like I've done this for the last 4 or 5 years and so my playlist like my master playlist has over 700 songs wow. that I'm like if Which anybody was like too. Yeah. yeah if anybody is like hey what you know what do you listen what do you to what kind of music I'm like go listen to my playlist that, like yeah. I vouch by all these songs I love all these songs so I kind of was strolling through them and I was like man there's so much music that I've digested um, but not all of them mean the same to me so it's like what really represents me and I was like love New Orleans love jazz and I love like, yeah. D'Angelo has to be on D'Angelo there D'Angelo has got to yeah. be on there you know D'Angelo is one of the um, I've only asked one test question I'm, I'm a, so I'm a professor at University of Texas um, but one of the only test questions I've ever asked that's been like a freebie to my students, it was, D'Angelo is the most important R&B artist in the last 25 years, true or false? And I put in parentheses, I said, if you put false, you will definitely get this question wrong, not accepting any re- re- uh, reconsideration. Did anyone put false? No, everybody did. Good. So I gave it to him as a freebie because I was like, if, if you guys can, I, I told him before the lecture, I said, if you can work D'Angelo into a question, like during lecture, yeah. I will give you a freebie back on the exam. <laughs> and some dude asked, uh, he, he asked, one of my students asked me something about like D'Angelo uh, in like a, an, an infective, like an infection kind of a question. I was like, all right, bro, I'm going to put that on the, on the exam. <laughs> and so D'Angelo awesome. is just like one of those, those deals. That. So That's so good. 
Well, I feel like you you nailed the selections that as someone who's a good friend of yours, uh, it definitely represents you well. So well, good. I'm glad. It was. It's a nerve wracking process, man. Like three songs. Like, yeah. Well, and hopefully too. Like you know, you listen to it, you go home, and Kate will listen to it. And you're like, why do you pick that one? And then you it'll ch- turn other things up, and then you can yeah be like, well, what are your three? Yeah. I mean, I, and I feel like I've only touched the surface on like so much of. Of all of this, right. you know, there's totally. so many different things so many that you can talk. Maybe I could talk about Zigaboo Malise, who played drums on that yeah. song for days on end, right. and you know how his lineage. So you know, the Zigaboo stories are Zigaboo um, worked with a guy named Johnny Vadakovich. Yeah, Johnny Vadakovich is who Brian Blade went to learn how to play drums at at uh, Loyola University in oh, New Orleans. Wow. Yeah. So when you talk about like the lineage, I mean, there's, yeah, it's like a very small community. Small of community. Who play that yeah. Style of music. Like yeah. those guys taught Brian Blade how to play drums, and Brian Blade put that impact on Dylan. You know, I mean, and there's yeah. there's this whole roundabout like community of musicians, and so it's just it's it's really a unique thing to see those high class musicians and and, yeah. and to seek out that and so it's it's really cool yeah well I, I i always learn stuff about music when i talk to you too so hopefully uh people picked up on that as well themselves. yeah but, yeah well cool man this was fun really appreciate you coming on and sharing sharing the tunes and i'm glad we finally got a d'angelo it took 25 episodes you haven't had a d'angelo here yet no oh, first one man i'm glad i'm glad i i'm glad i picked a good one i was like okay which one should i pick, should I pick? Chick, chicken grease was on there oh yeah just such a classic one but spanish joint to me encapsulates like all the yeah. things that are special about yeah. him so um That's awesome but yeah thanks for having me yeah, this, is, this has been fun stuff. well let we'll, me look forward to listening to your podcast once you get started. yeah i'm gonna have you on it oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm putting my plug in here i know there's gonna be some other people that come yeah. in but whenever you do your hundredth I, I want to do the interview. Yeah, we'll see, man. I've yeah. had a few people ask, so we'll, we'll... All right, all right. Maybe every 100 will do a different one, and then yeah. I can just pick one song at a time. Yeah, I think 100 is <laughs> going to take... You should do it's the gonna 50. It's going to take a while. You should do the 50th. No, I'm, I, I wouldn't do 50. I'd do 100. Wow, yeah. all right. I'm, I'm, I I'm, I'm waiting patiently for that one. <laughs> we'll see, man. Yeah. We'll see. All right, well, until next time. Thanks.